Chapter Five of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Murrays of Conacan. Elise, Lady Hayburn's French maid, discovered next morning that an antique snake bracelet was missing, a loss which occasioned great consternation in the household. Breakfast was late, and at table, when the loss was mentioned, Gabrielle offered to drive over to Conacan in the car and make inquiry and search the general opinion was that it had been dropped in one of the rooms and was probably still lying there undiscovered the girl's offer was accepted and half an hour later the smaller of the two glencardine cars the sixteen fiat was brought round to the door by stokes the smart chauffeur young galati fresh down from oxford begged to be allowed to go with her and his escort was accepted then in motor cap and champagne-coloured dust veil gabrielle mounted at the wheel with the young fellow at her side and stokes in the back and drove away down the long avenue to the high road the car was her delight never so happy was she as when wrapped in her leather-lined motor coat she drove the sixteen the six-cylinder sixty was too powerful for her but with the sixteen she ran half over scotland and was quite a common object on the perth too sterling road possessed of nerve and full of self-confidence she could negotiate traffic in edinburgh or glasgow and on one occasion had driven her father the whole way from glencardine up to london a distance of four hundred and fifty miles her fingers pressed the button of the electric horn as they descended the sharp incline to the lodge gates and turning into the open road and was soon speeding along through octeradar village to labardine wood down through Braco, and along by the nake water and st patrick's well into glen artney passing under the dark shadow of dundurn until there came into view the broad waters of loch urn the morning was bright and cloudless and at such a pace they went that a perfect wall of dust stood behind them from the margin of the loch the ground rose for a couple of miles until it reached a plateau upon which stood the fine imposing priory the ancestral seat of the murrays of conacan the aspect as they drove up was very imposing the winding road was closely planted with trees for a large portion of its course and the stately front of the western entrance with its massive stone portico and crenulated cornice burst unexpectedly upon them from that point of view one seemed to have reached the gable end of a princely edifice crowned with gothic belfries yet on looking round it was seen that, that the approach by which the doorway had been reached was lined on one side with buildings hidden behind the clustering foliage and through the archway on the left one caught a glimpse of the ivy-covered clock tower and spacious stable-yard and garage extending northwards for a considerable distance gabrielle ran the car round to the south side of the house where in the foreground were the well-kept parks of conacan the smooth-shaven lawn fringed with symmetrically planted trees and the fertile fields extending away to the very brink of the loch the original fortalice of the muries half a mile distant was like glencardine a ruin the present priory notwithstanding its old-fashioned towers and lancet windows was a comparatively modern structure and the ivy which partially covered some of the windows could claim no great antiquity yet the general effect of the architectural grouping was most pleasing and might well deceive the visitor or tourist into the supposition that it belonged to a very remote period 
it was as a matter of fact the work of atkinson who in the first years of the nineteenth century built scone abbotsford and taymouth castle with loud warning blasts upon the horn gabrielle hayburn pulled up but ere she could descend walter murray a good-looking dark-haired young man in gray flannels and hatless was outside hailing her with delight hello gabrielle he cried cheerily taking her hand what brings you over this morning especially when we were told last night that you were so very ill the illness has passed exclaimed young gellity shaking his friend's hand and we're now in search of a lost bracelet one of lady hayburn's why my mother was just going to wire one of the maids found it in the boudoir this morning but we didn't know to whom it belonged come inside there are a lot of people staying over from last night then turning to gabrielle he added by jove what dust there must be on the road you're absolutely covered well she laughed lightly it won't hurt me i suppose i'm not afraid of it stokes took charge of the car and shut off the petrol while the three went inside passing into a long cool cloister down which was arranged the splendid collection of antiques discovered or acquired by malcolm murray the well-known antiquary who had spent many years in italy and died in seventeen ninety four in cases ranged down each side of the long cloister with its antique carved chairs armor and statuary were rare etruscan and roman terracottas one containing relics from the tomb of a warrior which included a sword hilt adorned with gold and a portion of a golden crown formed of lilies in relievo of pure gold laid upon a mould of bronze another case was full of bronze ornaments unearthed near albino and still another contained rare abyssinian curios the collection was renowned among antiquaries and was often visited by sir henry who would be brought there in the car by gabrielle and spent hours alone fingering the objects in the various cases sir george murray and sir henry hayburn were close friends therefore it was natural that walter the heir to the conican estate and gabrielle should often be thrown into each other's company or perhaps that the young man who for the past twelve months had been absent on a tour round the world should have loved her ever since the days when she wore short skirts and her hair down her back he had been sorely puzzled why she had not at the last moment come to the ball she had promised that she would be with them and yet she made that rather lame excuse of a headache truth to tell walter murray had during the past week been greatly puzzled at her demeanour of indifference seven days ago he had arrived in london from new york but found no letter from her awaiting him at the club as he had expected the last he had received in detroit a month before and it was strangely cold and quite unusual two days ago he had arrived home and in secret she had met him down at the end of the glen of glencardine at her wish their first meeting had been clandestine why both their families knew of their mutual affection therefore why should she now make a secret of their meeting after twelve months separation he was puzzled at her note and he was further puzzled at her attitude towards him she was cold and unresponsive when he held her in his arms and kissed her soft lips she only once returned his passionate caress and then as though it were a duty forced upon her she had however promised to come to the ball that promise she had deliberately broken though he could not understand her he made pretence of unconcern he regretted that she had not felt well last night that was all at the end of the cloister young gellity found one of lady murie's guests a girl named violet priest with whom he had danced a good deal on the previous night and at once attached himself to her leaving walter with the sweet-faced slim-waisted object of his affections 
The moment they were alone in the long cloister, he asked her quickly, Tell me, Gabrielle, the real reason why you did not come last night. I had looked forward very much to seeing you, but I was disappointed, sadly disappointed. I am very sorry, she laughed, with assumed nonchalance. But I had to assist my father with some business papers. Your mother told everyone that you do not care for dancing, he said. That is untrue, Walter. I love dancing. I knew it was untrue, dearest, he said, standing before her. But why does Lady Hayburn go out of her way to throw cold water upon you and all your works? How should I know? asked the girl with a slight shrug. Perhaps it is because my father places more confidence in me than in her. And his confidence is surely not misplaced, he said. I tell you frankly that I don't like Lady Hayburn. She pretends to like you. Pretends, he echoed. Yes, it's all pretense. But, he added, do tell me the real reason of your absence last night, Gabrielle. It has worried me. Why worried, my dear Walter? Is it really worth troubling over? I'm only a girl, and as such am allowed vagaries of nerves, and all that. I simply didn't want to come, that's all. Why? Well, to tell you the truth, I hate the crowd we have staying in our house. They're all mother's friends, and mother's friends are never mine, you know. He looked at her slim figure, so charming in instinctiness. What a dear little philosopher you've grown to be in a single year, he declared. We shall have you quoting Friedrich Nietzsche next. Well, she laughed. If you would like me to quote him, I can do so. I read Zarathustra secretly at school. One of the girls got a copy from Germany. Do you remember what Zarathustra says? Verily, ye could wear no better masks, ye present-day men, than your own faces. Who would recognize you? I hope that's not meant to be personal, he laughed, gazing at the girl's beautiful countenance and great luminous eyes. You may take it as you like, she declared with a delightfully mischievous smile. I only quoted it to show you that I have read Nietzsche and recollect his many truths. You certainly do seem to have a gay house party at Glencardine, he remarked, changing the subject. I noticed Jimmy Flockhart there as usual. Yes, he's one of Mother's greatest friends. She makes good use of him in every way. Up in town they are inseparable, it seems. They knew each other, I believe, when they were boy and girl. So I've heard, replied the young man, thoughtfully leaning against a big glass case containing a collection of Lars and Penates, images of Jupiter, Hercules, Mercury, etc., used as household gods. I expected that he would be dancing attendance upon her during the whole of the evening. But curiously enough, soon after his arrival, he suddenly disappeared, and was not seen again until nearly two o'clock. Then, looking straight into the girl's fathomless eye, he added, Do you know, Gabrielle, I don't like that fellow. Beware of him. Neither do I, but your warning is quite unnecessary, I assure you. He doesn't interest me in the least. Walter Murray was silent for a moment silent as though in doubt a shadow crossed his well-cut features but only for a single second then he smiled again upon the fair-faced soft-spoken girl whom he loved so honestly and so well the woman who was all in all to him how could he doubt her she who only a year ago had out yonder in the park given him her pledge of affection and sealed it with her hot passionate kisses remembrance of those sweet caresses still lingered with him but he doubted her yes he could not conceal from himself certain very ugly facts facts within his own knowledge yet was not his own poignant jealousy misleading him 
was not her refusal to attend the ball perhaps due to some sudden pique or unpleasantness with her giddy stepmother was it he only longed to be able to believe that it might be so alas however he had discovered the shadow of a strange and disagreeable truth End of chapter five